feeling which hurt him most was the conviction that he was spending money which he would never have had to spend had there been no board. He had been twitted with this at the board meeting, and had justified himself by referring to the money which had been invested in the company of Fisker, Montague, and Montague, which money was now supposed to have been made over to the railway. But the money which he was spending had come to him after a loose fashion, and he knew that if called upon for an account he could hardly make out one which would be square and intelligible to all parties. Nevertheless, he spent much of his time at the Bear Garden, dining there when no engagement carried him elsewhere. On this evening he joined his table with Nidderdale's, at the young lord's instigation. "'What made you so savage at old Melmot to-day?' said the young lord. "'I didn't mean to be savage, but I think that as we call ourselves directors we ought to know something about it.' "'I suppose we ought. I don't know, you know. I'll tell you what I've been thinking. I can't make out why the mischief they made me a director.' "'Because you're a lord,' said Paul bluntly. "'I suppose there's something in that. But what good can I do them?' "'Nobody thinks that I know anything about business. "'Of course I'm in Parliament, but I don't often go there unless they want me to vote. "'Everybody knows that I'm hard up. I can't understand it. "'The Governor said that I was to do it, and so I've done it. "'They say, you know, there's something between you and Melmotte's daughter. "'But if there is, what has that to do with the railway in the city? "'And why should Carberry be there? "'And heaven and earth, why should old Grendall be a director?' "'I'm impecunious, but if you were to pink out the two most hopeless men in London in regard to money, they would be old Grendall and young Carberry. I've been thinking a good deal about it, and I can't make it out.' "'I have been thinking about it, too,' said Paul. "'I suppose old Melmot is all right?' asked Nidderdale. This was a question which Montague found it difficult to answer. How could he be justified in whispering suspicions to the man who was known to be, at any rate, one of the competitors for Marie Melmotte's hand? "'You can speak out to me, you know,' said Nidderdale, nodding his head. "'I've got nothing to speak. People say that he is about the richest man alive.' "'He lives as though he were.' "'I don't see why it shouldn't be all true. Nobody, I take it, knows very much about him.' When his companion had left him, Nidderdale sat down, thinking of it all. It occurred to him that he would be coming a cropper, rather, were he to marry Melmotte's daughter for her money, and then find that she had got none. A little later in the evening he invited Montague to go up to the card-room. "'Carberry and Grasslough and Dolly Longstaff are there waiting,' he said. But Paul declined. He was too full of his troubles for play.' "'Poor Miles isn't there, if you're afraid of that,' said Nidderdale. "'Miles Grendall wouldn't hinder me,' said Montague. "'Nor me, either. Of course it's a confounded shame. I know that as well as anybody. But, God bless me, I owe a fellow down in Leicestershire heaven knows how much for keeping horses, and that's a shame.' "'You'll pay him some day.' "'I suppose I shall, if I don't die first. "'but I should have gone on with the horses just the same "'if there had never been anything to come. "'Only they wouldn't have given me tick, you know. "'As far as I'm concerned, it's just the same. "'I like to live whether I've got money or not, "'and I fear I don't have many scruples about paying. "'But then I like to let live, too. "'There's Carberry always saying nasty things about poor Miles. "'He's playing himself without a rap to back him. 
If he were to lose, Vossner wouldn't stand him a ten-pound note. But because he has won, he goes on as though he were old Melmot himself. You'd better come up. But Montague wouldn't go up. Without any fixed purpose, he left the club, and slowly sauntered northwards through the streets, till he found himself in Welbeck Street. He hardly knew why he went there, and certainly had not determined to call on Lady Carbury when he left the Bear Garden. His mind was full of Mrs. Hurdle. As long as she was present in London, as long, at any rate, as he was unable to tell himself that he had finally broken away from her, he knew himself to be an unfit companion for Henrietta Carbury. And, indeed, he was still under some promise made to Roger Carbury, not that he would avoid Hedda's company, but that for a certain period, as yet unexpired, he would not ask her to be his wife. It had been a foolish promise, made and then repented without much attention to words, but still it was existing, and Paul knew well that Roger trusted that it would be kept. Nevertheless, Paul made his way up to Welbeck Street, and almost unconsciously knocked at the door. No, Lady Carbury was not at home. She was out somewhere with Mr. Roger Carbury. Up to that moment, Paul had not heard that Roger was in town, but the reader may remember that he had come up in search of Ruby Ruggles. Miss Carbury was at home, the page went on to say. Would Mr. Montague go up and see Miss Carbury? Without much consideration, Mr. Montague said that he would go up and see Miss Carbury. "'Mamma is out with Roger,' said Hedda, endeavouring to save herself from confusion. "'There is a soiree of learned people somewhere, and she made poor Roger take her. "'The ticket was only for her and her friend, and therefore I could not go.' "'I am so glad to see you. What an age it is since we met!' "'Hardly since the Melmotts' ball,' said Hedda. "'Hardly, indeed. I have been here once since that. What has brought Roger up to town?' "'I don't know what it is. Some mystery, I think. "'Whenever there is a mystery, I am always afraid that there is something wrong about Felix. "'I do get so unhappy about Felix, Mr. Montague. "'I saw him to-day in the city, at the railway board. "'But Roger says the railway board is all a sham.' "'Paul could not keep himself from blushing as he heard this, "'and that Felix should not be there. "'And then there is something going on about that horrid man's daughter.' "'She is to marry Lord Nidderdale, I think.' "'Is she? "'They are talking of her marrying Felix, "'and of course it is for her money, "'and I believe that man is determined to quarrel with them.' "'What man, Miss Carberry?' "'Mr. Melmot himself. "'It's all horrid from beginning to end. "'But I saw them in the city to-day, "'and they seemed to be the greatest friends. "'When I wanted to see Mr. Melmot, "'he bolted himself into an inner room, "'but he took your brother with him.' He would not have done that if they had not been friends. When I saw it, I almost thought that he had consented to the marriage. Roger has the greatest dislike to Mr. Melmot. I know he has, said Paul. And Roger is always right. It is always safe to trust him, don't you think so, Mr. Montague? Paul did think so, and was by no means disposed to deny to his rival the praise which rightly belonged to him. But still he found the subject difficult. "'Of course, I will never go against Mamma," continued Hedda. "'But I always feel that my cousin Roger is a rock of strength, "'so that if one did whatever he said, one would never get wrong. "'I never found anyone else that I thought that of, but I do think it of him.' "'No one has more reason to praise him than I have.' 
I think everybody has reason to praise him that has to do with him, and I'll tell you why I think it is. Whenever he thinks anything, he says it, or at least he never says anything that he doesn't think. If he spent a thousand pounds, everybody would know that he'd got it to spend, but other people are not like that. You're thinking of Melmot. I'm thinking of everybody, Mr. Montague, of everybody except Roger. Is he the only man you can trust? But it is abominable to me to seem even to contradict you. Roger Carberry has been to me the best friend that any man ever had. I think as much of him as you do. I didn't say he was the only person, or I didn't mean to say so. But all my friends—am I among the number, Miss Carberry? Yes, I suppose so. Of course you are. Why not? Of course you are a friend, because you are his friend. Look here, Hedda," he said. "It is no good going on like this. I love Roger Carberry as well as one man can love another. He is all that you say, and more. You hardly know how he denies himself and how he thinks of everybody near him. He is a gentleman all round and every inch. He never lies. He never takes what is not his own. I believe he does love his neighbour as himself. Oh, Mister Montague, I am so glad to hear you speak of him like that. I love him better than any man, as well as a man can love a man. If you will say that you love him as well as a woman can love a man, I will leave England at once and never return to it. There's Mamma," said Henrietta, for at that moment there was a double knock at the door. End of Chapter Thirty Eight.